to Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm your host, well, I guess I'm actually your co-host, Tom Gross, and I'll introduce Dan Reem. I am the other one, yes. And we are here in the dungeon to talk about, well, actually, we have an interview yes. that we have with uh, Andrew K. Wood. Mm-hmm. He has a Kickstarter coming out today, and uh, so we've got an interview with him coming up. But first, I thought we'd start, oh yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's lots of reasons to listen to him, but... One of the ones that always catches me is his accent. <laughs> I would never, I would never, uh, I, you listen to him and, and every once in a while there's a word that I'm like, I don't pronounce that word like that. That's really interesting. And then you find out his background, which you, you may already know because he's mentioned it before mm-hmm. on our interviews. But if you're not remembering, I'm not going to tell you. You just have to wait because he does mention it very briefly once again in this interview. He does. So, he does. Yes. That's cool. Great guy. I yeah. love it. I love interviewing him. Yes. All right. Well, so we had some activity on Twitter this uh, last week. I put out some tweets out there about the D&D movie. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to share some of those because they are a lot of fun. So the first tweet that I put out there was, who is your favorite Honor Among Thieves character? Our new friend, uh, and I don't, I'm sorry, I don't remember name, but I'll give you the uh, Kentucky Ed RPG. Right. Yes. He shared Dork, even though they kind of cheated the the druid as owlbear thing. And so, (laughs) understood, understood. But you know what? For the drama of the movie, it was perfect. I thought it was great. And I do think that they've got some changes coming to druid that will allow things like that. Especially the, when she jumps out the window of the castle and she goes from being, I don't remember what she was, a mouse to like a hawk, then she mouse to hawk to cat to cat, and then to deer, deer. which was well, great. Cat to person to deer. Oh yes, that's right. Anyway, I think I think that's a change coming in the D and D class. Maybe it's a feat or just something at a certain level that you'll be able to do. So, thank you for that. Our good friend Dennis Keithley, who has the podcast podcast Stardust, he says Zenk, They nailed all the Paladin tropes right there, <laughs> and it worked. They really threaded the needle on that. I apologize to everybody out there who has a dearly loved paladin character. I find paladins insufferable. <laughs> and I didn't with this one. I felt like they nailed his... I mean, they, they managed, like he said, to get everything that a paladin is supposed to be, but they made him truly... Lovable isn't quite the right term, but admirable. Yes, yeah. I would totally agree. I was happy to see him when he came onto the screen, and I was sad when he left. Yes. And credit to that actor, mm-hmm. too, because that's very much, thanks, to, I mean, the, the writing was good, but he he nailed it. Oh, he pulled it off. And I think what I liked about him the most is how he was very kind of stuffy and stodgy, but he would he, he could give that look of understanding, like, I get what you're doing. Yeah. You know, when he's like, I hate you. <laughs> says, under his breath, I hate you. And then they go to that close-up of Zeng's face, and he kind of just smirks. <laughs> that tiny little smile. Yep. All right. Our friend Storyweaver, at story underscore weaver 28, uh, said, Holga, love the depth of the character. She had hiding beneath that barbarian rage. It's hard to choose, though. So many great things about all of these characters. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Our friend Chris Metz, Captain Rick's Maddie, says, Forge. Of course he would. <laughs> he says, what a perfect scalawag. <laughs> <laughs> Only Chris could see that. Yes. <laughs> Only Rick's would understand the joy of Forge. 
fun. Oh, Chance Russo replied, Sophina, obviously, I'm all about my red wizards. <laughs> yes. She deserved a little more screen time. I feel like every heroic movie, if there's going to be a criticism, it's they shortchanged the the villain. It was two-dimensional or whatever. Yes. And I felt like she... they. I wish they'd carved out a little more time for her. Right. I love I love the character. I love the way she portrayed uh, that character, but agreed. Mm-hmm. I think a little bit more time would have been great. Speaking of a little more time, I said in my reply to Chance, what about her boss? I would have mm-hmm. loved to have seen more of Zaztam. Mm-hmm. That's fingers crossed, and that's me hopefully saying maybe we'll get another movie with a little bit of zest. Yes, from what I've heard, if you have not gone out, no, even if you have gone out to see the movie and you liked it and you want another installment, go see it again while you can. Yes. I, I think it is it, it might break even, but it probably won't do more than that. Yeah. Which we is know. a shame because it's a really well done movie. It is. I if it does not if it does not at least break even, to me it will be one of the most disappointing outcomes of a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I will definitely be buying the, well, I can't, well, maybe I can watch Blu-ray. I'll buy the DVD or Blu-ray for sure, because this is a movie to, if you don't go back and watch the whole movie at home, there are certainly scenes that I would want to see again, yeah. over and over again. Let's see, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the the wording of this, but it's, uh, I, I believe, Dini, D-I-N-Y, Dini or Dini, who is an artist, uh, commissions open as part of their uh, thing. But it says, Simon, all that wild magic, as chaotic as ever, wonderful. Couldn't agree more. Actually, he is my favorite uh, action figure that they have out in the stores. I think his, his, his sculpt looks really solid. They have the helmet that comes with this character, which I think is so important to the movie. Mm-hmm. But Simon, super cool, and I love the chaotic magic. Mm-hmm. I was surprised kind of that, that Chris Metz didn't say Simon with that wild magic option. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. Forge. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm going to save the other ones for subsequent shows. Yeah. Because those are kind of fun to talk about. So if you commented on our other ones that week, I asked about magic items and I asked about favorite creatures in the movies. So if you haven't had a chance to, to add your two cents to that, you can go back now and, and throw in on those because we'll talk about those on a future show. But as we said, we've got uh, Andrew K. Wood set up so yes as your sound engineer i need to apologize for this episode we tried uh, videoing and recording on chromebooks this time around and i think as far as glitches there were many fewer of them that i had to edit out so that was good but our our sound clipped so it sounds a little sounds not exactly like we're yelling into the mic but a little bit like really in the mic so i i mean the the volume itself is down but it it's a little bit distorted okay well very good we're working on that we're trying to find (laughs) uh we're trying to find the best way to uh bring you guys good interviews that are remote so all right without further ado here is andrew kwood joining us tonight in the dungeon is our friend andrew kwood of kwood publishing andrew you've been on teachers in the dungeon several times. I just want you to know we're in the process of carving a nice stone block for you to have a seat when we get together to talk in the dungeon. How are you tonight? I'm good. How are you two? Doing Doing fine. I can't get the video on my uh, Chromebook to work, so I'm just a disembodied voice, but uh, (laughs) get to look at Tom anyway. 
That's perfect for a podcast. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Exactly. So, oh, let's see. We've we've talked a lot about your uh, your monster series here on Ooh. Teaching in the Dungeon um, in the past, and uh, so let's see. Let's do a rundown of your monster books. We've got uh, Monsters of Feyland, Monsters of Feyland Two, Monsters of the City, Monsters mm-hmm. of the Wilderness. Monsters of the Undead, which is the last one I believe we uh, we talked about, and you have that's five. <laughs> you have one more to add. To, well, I don't know. May, I shouldn't say one more, but you currently have one more to introduce to us. So tell us a little bit about your new monsters book. Sure. So next Tuesday, April twenty fifth, we're launching the Kickstarter for Monsters of the Dungeon. And this we plan to be our biggest and best yet. Um, we learn a lot as we go along making these books. And um, in some ways, I think this is going back to the heart of the game. And actually, it's totally appropriate considered, considering all the controversy this year and the <laughs> many directions the game has taken. I feel that this is really going back to the, the core of the game and where, you know, the dungeon crawl. And really, in a dungeon, you can have almost any kind of monster. It's really the story about, you know, how the creature got there. And so, yeah, we're, we're going to have a collection of magic items. We're going to make it like a campaign book, like we've had our other books. So there'll be seven kinds of dungeons. And um, during the Kickstarter, we finished the Arcane Dungeon chapter, and that will be available for download. So you'll you'll get a whole chapter to see an example of what we've done, Uh, a lot of magic items. And then for stretch goals, we're looking at doing a trap section and dungeon maps uh, as well. Wow. I'm getting excited already to hear about it. Those are uh, very useful, essential parts. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. I was saying we have our team back together. It's the same group. So Travis Hansen is the artist doing every single image and Gordon McAlpin, who's been doing our graphic design, is back for this. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. The really exciting news is usually it's about a month. Well, actually, it's usually two or three months after the Kickstarter that the manuscript is finished. And then we just have to do layout and art. The manuscript actually is almost done now. So it'll be done by the end of the Kickstarter, which we've never, we've never had close to that sort of progress before. So it could be a quick turnaround. Can you, I don't want you to give away any secrets that are best left to people to discover when they get the, get the book, but you said seven kinds of dungeons. Can you tell me a little more yeah. about that? Sure. So as I said, in the Kickstarter, we'll have the arcane dungeon. So basically the kind of dungeons that a wizard would be living in, or maybe they've abandoned. So something, you know, that could be filled with constructs and, you know, maybe creatures that have come through portals. And then we, we're going to have the castle dungeon, the manor dungeon, the thieves guild, the tomb, the wilderness, and the mountains. The castle's pretty self-explanatory. The manor is going to be, you know, what would be happen, what would be happening if you were in a noble's manor and you went into their dungeon? What would you find down there? So I, that one is really interesting, I think, because, um, yeah, yeah, affluent individuals have interesting things hidden from view. Um, 
<laughs> then you have uh, the Thieves Guild, which really is any kind of guild or organization working below ground. Then the tomb is really more like a tomb. You know, you can call it a dungeon, but it's it's really what most tombs are like. So a chance to have lots of undead. And we also like to include good creatures because I really believe in having a balance in stories. So the tomb is a place where there's actually going to be some celestials as well. Then we're going to have the wilderness, which is a one a dungeon really that's far away from any kind of settlement. And it's a place where nature is leaked into the dungeon. And then you have the mountain dungeon, which in my mind right away, I think of the halls of Moria, the mines of Moria in Lord right. of the Rings. These massive complexes where, you know, I actually I'm doing that chapter right now, just editing it. And, you know, we talk about this possibly is the most dangerous because huge creatures could fit here, right? You can have giants and dragons. And whereas if you have a, a dungeon under a manor, it's unlikely you're going to probably run into a dragon. Um, <laughs> but a, a mountain dungeon, you could have an orc army or a red dragon. So yeah, those are the general types. And then, you know, like with all of our books, you could you can pick and choose these creatures. You can put them in different kinds of dungeons. You could put them in the same. You could put them in a different environment, right? Most of these monster books, you can take these creatures and put them in multiple places. So you've you've kind of already you've kind of already done this, but give me your best sales pitch. Why do people need this new this book? Sure. Well. For me, I mean, our my mission statement for the company is we make practical and inspiring products. So the whole idea of what, when we started this, was we want to have something that a dungeon master can actually use easily at the table, and it's something that can make their game better, can, make, can inspire you to add more depth to your game. So this is a book that, you know, if we do it properly, it should be sitting at the table and... You know, I think with, you know, our books, there's so much like campaign books at the table. You know, all you really need to have is these, you know, you really don't need a lot more. So that, that would be my main sales pitches. I think this would be an essential book for adventuring and campaigns. And you could look into it quickly. If you wanted an encounter, you could look into it. If you wanted a trap, um, you could look through and find we're not just going to have monsters in the typical sense of the word, but often in our books, especially in Monsters of the City, we have monsters which really are part NPC, part monster. So we'll have those in this book as well. So you'll have a chance to grab a character if you needed them as well. You know, as you're talking about these different dungeon settings, I'm sitting here thinking as a DM that you mentioned inspiration. I, like I was just each one of those that you were describing, I had pictures in my head of, oh, I could, you could do this or you could do this. You're, I love your manner, uh, not your manner, but your, <laughs> the setting of your manner uh, of, a, of a manor dungeon. I just finished recently the the prequel book to the uh, D&D movie, Honor Among Thieves. The, the book is titled uh, The Road to Neverwinter. And there is a manor dungeon in that book, which is super cool. And so listening to you talk about that and then having that background knowledge of, Ooh, okay. I just experienced something like that. How can I use your book to kind of create that? And so that was really cool. 
one thing that you mentioned that kind of piqued my interest because I've said this on the show before, but one of my favorite things to do as a kid was open up that Dungeon Master's Guide. Yes, we never let that Dungeon Master's Guide get dirt, uh, dusty as a kid because <laughs> it had the list of magic items. You mentioned that you've got some magic items in this uh, book. Tell me a little bit more about that. And if you can give us a preview of, if not something specific, what types are we going to find? Sure. So in the Wilderness book and the Feyland 2 book, we had a few magic items here and there. I think each book has maybe half a dozen to 10 or so, not too many, but we added a few in there. So in the new book, we'll have a lot more. I would say probably about 20, maybe even two dozen. And I actually have printed with me right here, I have the first chapter, the Arcane Dungeon right here. Nice. So in here, um, so I actually have the Cape of Good Hope, is, <laughs> is, uh, which is, uh, I, I always have a few sort of traditions with these books that I've started in, in the series. One of, one of them is that there's always a Bowie monster and a David Bowie-inspired creature. I was going to ask about that. You beat me to it. Right. So you might have seen in the Feyland 2 book, we have, who's in Feyland 2? We have, oh yeah, we have Jared, uh, Jalen Starlight, who is sort of the positive version of Jareth from Labyrinth. What if it's, it's the idea of what if Jareth was actually a responsible person, basically. <laughs> and we also have a character based on Sarah, the heroine in um, Labyrinth. And there's something, oh, there's something else in there that's just on the tip of my tongue. Uh, anyway, we have, we, we always have a David Bowie monster. And then uh, we also have some uh, that allude back to my homeland of South Africa. So that's what this magic item is, the Cape of Good Hope. Uh, <laughs> and so it's a cape that you get a bonus to your saving throws against poisons and spells. So the idea that you have some hope against these certain effects. So that's one example. There have been so many magic items done by third-party companies and multiple editions that I find I have to get very creative trying to find something new. Yeah, I, I think I I think I succeeded, but uh, I'm still working. I think I still have three to go to finish the book. And I have another one here in this chapter. It's called The I Know. And it's a purple glass eye. You hold it up to one of your eyes. It sinks into your eye and replaces the regular eye for one hour. <laughs> and while this eye is activated once a day, you get plus two to your wisdom checks and saving throws. Oh, nice. <laughs> Boy, Dan, uh, Borm could sure have used that this last weekend. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. That is so cool. I was, I wanted to ask when you're coming up with these magic items, what comes first, the need of the magic item or the name of the magic item? Good question. It's really a, a process that's similar actually to doing the creatures. It's usually first, it's the, it's what it does. The, what is the essence of the creature or the magic item? For me, each of these things is a story, really. 
So it's the story of the monster, the story of the magic item. And then usually the name is second, but sometimes like with the I know magic item <laughs> and actually with the Cave of Good Hope, both of those names came first. <laughs> I wondered. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. Those yeah. are phenomenal. Those are great. Yeah. Connected to that, this is a slight tangent, but I was curious to know what you what you like best about your creative process. What excites you the most about creating these books? Well, yeah, I really like, I actually like everything. Um, I'm just <laughs> happy, you know, so happy to be doing this. This is like, my my wife actually at work yesterday was at a workshop where they asked them if they could do any job in the world, what would they do? <laughs> she said she couldn't think of anything other than being wanted, wanting to be independently wealthy. <laughs> um, I would say this job. So, um, and I, you know, really number one for me, it's all about, it's about story. Like I just mentioned with the creatures to me, each creature is a story. Each magic item is a story. And, you know, the world that we've created world of mirror, which that book should be coming out the update to it later this year. That to me is all about story. And then, the artist Travis and I have made plans for another book series after the monster series, as well as adventures. And that to me obviously is about story too. So that's what excites me is finding new stories, even beyond role-playing games. I'm, I'm writing other stories as well. So I mentioned, I get, went through the list of books that, that you've got in the monster series. Have you always been, interested in monsters or is this something that came later in life uh no right right from the beginning i can remember i think the first books i mean the very first books i can remember that when i learned to read were the berenstein bears books <laughs> and uh maybe oh then around maybe famous five and secret seven which are very like they're very british very south african old school books, but not, that was really just beginning to read. So the stories that I really liked were always adventures. And then it was all about fairy tales. So Enid Blyton, a British writer, put out a very prolific writer. So I started to read those. And then Alice in Wonderland just blew my mind. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and then I just kept, you know, I really kept down that track. My favorite genre always was fantasy. And so I remember when we moved to Canada, the librarian read Narnia. And again, I, I was just blown away. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, too, made it had a huge impression on me. <laughs> so very whimsical, magical stories. The Hobbit, I read, you know, The Hobbit was very mm -hmm. early on. Seeing the the animated version, the original animated version of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that all, that's always been with me. Creatures, it doesn't even have to be like magical creatures, but animals like and insects. And yeah, I've always loved that stuff. Uh, it's more about a character and a story. Yeah, and, and I guess feeling really close to nature too. That's part of it too. You kind of already answered another question I had was what's down the road for Kwood Publishing. Sounds like a lot. How many, yeah, about how many projects do you keep spinning at one time? Well, 
I, I really try to focus on one at a time, but it is nice to move back and forth a little bit to keep things fresh. Right. So I often have one main book that I'm doing and then a book on the side. So I am working on the World of Mirror book a bit right now, and we're hoping to kickstart that in the fall. A lot of that has already been done because we've been working on that for, I've been working on that for almost eight years, that world. And then, like I said, Travis and I are looking at doing another book series, uh, Handbooks for Dungeon Masters, and we're planning on doing adventures. So we'll likely, we'll likely start in a rhythm of after this year of doing maybe two or three Kickstarters a year and doing books that are not as massive as these ones have been. They're about as expensive as, as you can get because there's art you know, all through these books, which is, it's very expensive to do a book like that and to print a book like that. I We kind of started with the, <laughs> the biggest job we could do. <laughs> and um, now I think we might do smaller books, uh, but we can do more of them. Got it. Yeah. Well, I have to say, you know, to, to our listeners that if you have not seen or looked at uh, a book from... Andrew and Keywood Publishing, it's definitely it's definitely worth a look. It's definitely worth your investment. As uh, Andrew, you mentioned, the, the art in it is phenomenal. Uh, right before we came on, I was looking at my Monsters of the City book and just flipping through that. And just it's fun to look at the pictures. Uh, the color pops. Your your layout is easy to follow and easy to read. And so I I just go out to my, to the listeners and say, check this out. So Andrew, tell us a little bit more. Well, of course we'll have your Kickstarter link in our show notes and we'll put it out on our social media as well, but tell us a little bit more about the details of the Kickstarter. You already mentioned uh, that it starts on April 25th, which actually will be the day that this show will, will release. And then how long does that go? Sure. So we start on, yes, next Tuesday, which like you said, will be today from April 25th to May 25th. Yeah, well, you can find information about that on our website or on all our socials. And um, we've actually started, a, we've just opened a Discord, which we never did before. So people have lots of opportunity to interact with us and ask questions about what's going on with the Kickstarter. There'll be lots of options. Again, we'll have, obviously, we'll have a PDF version, softcover and hardcover. We'll have a great deal where you can get all the PDFs for a really, really good price as well if you don't want to get the printed books. And then we'll have deals where you can get the other books in the series. And um, we're hoping with the stretch goals to get up to 120 monsters. It should be the biggest book in the series. I like the, I like the versatility and the price of PDFs. But, and, and by the way, thanks for mentioning your librarian uh, as a librarian myself. Thanks for mentioning <laughs> the librarian. But as a librarian, I love the book on the shelf. And this, this, these books look wonderful up on the shelf. I just, you know, sometimes the shelf is my inspiration. I turn, take a look at what's up on the shelf, and I just reach for something. And I love having your books up there. Before we move on, we have one more just short topic to talk, or maybe I don't want to say short topic. I don't want to shortchange it, but I want to ask first, Dan, do you have any other questions about the this book? 
No, as I said, Andrew, you've done a really nice job of just anticipating everything I had written down here. So uh, everything got answered almost before I had a chance to answer or ask it. So um, I guess just in, in general, I was wondering, and, and I think you've answered this too, but I'll, I'll just ask it again. Anyway, there may be something new that comes out. How would you say that your, like Kaywood Publishing, your work with it, how has it changed over the years? Has there been, have you felt like you've stayed consistent or do you see like, a shift in tone or a growth in some way? That's a good question. It's been a really organic process. I mean, it started with the players in my local group saying, you really should publish this world that we're playing in because it's really, it's they enjoyed it so much. So I originally tried a Kickstarter when I had no online footprint. I'd never published anything. <laughs> and uh, it didn't. It didn't work. It, I got maybe 25% of what I was trying to get. Oh. And I used a little bit of my money to get some art and published it myself in a very basic layout. So one of the really big changes is having the professional layout, which is expensive. So, you know, along the way and the art too, we tried to use new artists. And I had like my wife's friend who's an editor in Toronto she helped me with layouts. So we've slowly been able to improve the look of things. I think the, I think the content has been good. And what I've learned, one of the big things is really to be like, I, with, with Monsters of Feyland, there were a few creatures, I think I might've mentioned this to you too before, where there are a few creatures I thought, I don't know, these are a bit silly. They're a bit over the top. And then I, I went, no, I'm going to do it. And I published the book and almost all of those creatures were the favorites. <laughs> <laughs> you know, once in a while, there's, you know, a person who says, oh, I can't, you know, I don't, I couldn't stand that or whatever. You're never going to please, you know, all the people who ever see the book. But most of the favorites of most people were the creatures that I was kind of, they were, I was on the fence about. And they were the creatures that I, they were the most original, you know, they weren't really tied into anything. Like nobody had ever decided to do a monster trout in D and D before. Um, <laughs> so that's what I learned was, you know, really go for it. Try to think of the most creative thing you can think of, like really go for it with the names. And I, you know, I began to see it much more, even more of an artistic process. Like, you know, more in the veins of, I get kind of like, you know, that I'm saying I'm so inspired by Bowie, you know, the way he changed all the time, the way he was so creative. It's almost, it's not just music. It's also like dance. And it, the, that's what it's sort of like become is become more and more artistic, you know, to take more chances in that being more, like I'd say the Feyland 2 book, the last book was in some ways like the most vulnerable book. It, it's like very organic and very sensual. And, you know, I, ha and I was, and I was totally comfortable with doing that and exploring that. And so I'm getting more and more comfortable with exploring and being more and more creative. You know, I'm working on a novel now, which is sort of, which is part fantasy as well. And that's a, another layer because it's more based in our, our, our ordinary world. So the whole process for me has been, yeah, becoming more creative, more bold, speaking my, like, not not shutting up. 
<laughs> yeah. well, that sounds pretty much exactly like it should be then. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I did find the the other Bowie creature in the the latest book, and that was Gene the Genie. <laughs> so there's another example. I put so there is an actual genie in the in Wimstown in Feyland Two. Are they blue? He. I don't think we made him blue. I think we decided that was a little... Travis usually likes to play off type a little bit when he does the art. A little too on the nose, I guess, huh? But uh, but I did use some of the song as inspiration. If you look carefully through the, the bio and the stat block, Travis drew him as kind of a reddish-pink kind of creature. But if you look, as we've mentioned before, if you look, there's a lot of... There are a lot of Easter eggs in this book in all of these books. Nice. Well, you, I, I don't know. I, my, I have 24 hours in the day, Dan. I, do you have that too? Because I think Andrew somehow has found a way to maneuver and squeeze out a few more hours in a day based on all those projects. <laughs> you have, you have another project that you have been working on over the last year that I was just noticing on, I've seen it on, on, on social media. But looking at your website reminded me, you are also a part of a podcast called Two Wizards and a Mic. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So that I was really inspired by these talk, these uh, YouTube shows and podcasts where it's more of a conversation between a few people. And sometimes they go on for an hour or even more than that. And the, the ones that are, I think that are really good are, interviewers who ask good questions or people who are just really honest and you can tell they're just being themselves. They're not trying to promote anything or they're not, you know, they're not sort of, you know, doing a podcast about movies and just selling the movie. So it's really just, it's a conversation. And right away I thought, you know, I'd like to have this kind of show with someone that I know and someone who's funny and kind of balances me which is actually one of the players in my regular group. And I asked him about it and I didn't, I wasn't really sure he would do it because he was my number one choice for sure. I didn't know if I could do it without this person because he has background in podcasting and acting and improv. Uh, he has a better radio voice than I do. That's for sure. <laughs> um, he's a bit more, diplomatic than I am sometimes. So it's a good, it's a good balance. And he said, yes. And so now we've been doing this for about a year. And for me, it's actually kind of a break. Like you mentioned about trying to have a balance in the work that you, you know, the work that you get done. For me, it's a break where once a week, he and I just sit down and chat and we have some, we have an outline of a topic we're going to discuss, but you know, most of it, you know, 90% of it is an honest conversation with humor. And it's really about two experienced players, one who's been more of a DM and one who's been more of a player. And we, we look at different parts of the game and we often look back at the first edition of the game where we both started. And then we look at fifth edition we talk about some things that happen in the community and happen with the game. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just a chance to sit down and chat. And I think it's, uh, 
it's been really fun. We have a few people who watch and uh, we do promote our the Keyword Publishing books, but that's not the main reason or the main you know part of the show. That's not the core of the show. Well, absolutely. You should, <laughs> you should do that. Use that medium uh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, that is exciting. I'm glad to hear uh, and hear about that and have you a little bit, share a little bit, you know, a really good friend of mine talked about how, you know, the, the deep down, you know, some people might think that podcasts are competitors of one another. Mm-hmm. And what my friend taught me was actually the way it works best is when we support and build each other up. So I definitely wanted to give you that chance to talk about that. Uh, and I think people should check out Two Wizards and a Mic. Well, Andrew, we've taken one of those extra hours of your day here, uh, and I think we've taken enough of your time, but wanted to give you that opportunity to talk about your Kickstarter and wish you best of luck with that. I can't wait to see what this looks like. If it's like any of the other books, I have no doubt it's going to be a huge hit and a lot of fun to incorporate into people's games. Andrew, where can people reach out to you, ask you questions about Kwood Publishing, your books? Where can people find your books? And then just one more time, tell us just the, the details of the Kickstarter. Sure. So our our main site is worldofmirrr.com. That's our main website. We're on Twitter at Kwood Publish. And uh, you can find our other social links on the website. The Kickstarter is going to launch on May, uh, sorry, April 25th and go till May 25th. And um, links for that will be on our website and our socials as well. Well, fantastic. Andrew, once again, you're our most, you're our most frequent guest. (laughs) So we appreciate having you on and uh, we're going to wrap up teachers in the dungeon right here. I am Tom Gross for Dan Ream and Andrew Kaywood. Everybody keep rolling those twenties. We'll see you next week. That wraps up today's session. So thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.